From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Are you depressed because you're fat, or are you fat because you're depressed? And are antidepressant medications helping or hindering this vicious circle? To talk about this, we have with us today Dr. Giulio Licinio. He joined Upstate this summer from the South Australian Health and Medical Research Institute in Australia. He held previous posts at UCLA, the University of Miami, Yale University, and the Australia National University. Dr. Licinio is board certified in psychiatry, and at Upstate, he's the dean of the College of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Licinio. So you noticed a rise in the use of antidepressants and also the rise in obesity rates in Western societies, and you found the possible connection had not really been explored in depth, right? Yes. So tell us uh, about that. How did you get involved? So um, first of all, it's a great pleasure to be here and to talk about a topic that's of great uh, passion and interest to me. So the rise in obesity is amazing. If you look every year, the rates go up systematically year after year. And I think people's habits have changed, but not that drastically from one year to the next. So yes, there is fast food out there. Yes, there is. There are computer and computer screens and people, you know, driving more and doing, you know, spending less time doing physical activity. But I don't think this has really um, gotten substantially worse from one year to the next. And the problem with obesity is that if you look at the rates, they really go up and up and up and up you know, relentlessly every single year. So I, yeah. they doubled since 1980 and yes. then um, f- uh, jumped from 15% to 30% for childhood obesity? Yes, exactly. Okay. And so um, so my big question is that, yes, children are spending a lot of time in front of the computer, but are they spending substantially more time in front of the computer this year than they were last year? And so and the rates of obesity keep going up drastically. So I keep thinking, you know, what else could be there? that is also increasing at the same time that could contribute to explain uh, what's happening with uh, body weight. And again, obesity is a very multi-determined factor. So uh, it's not only, you know, you eat a little bit more or you exercise less or other things happen. There is a lot going on and it's what we call like multi-determined, multifactorial uh, thing. So there are many contributors. So what I'm going to be talking about with the antidepressants, I think is just one of the contributing factors. It's not the explanation. But, I think but that's what you yeah, focused on yes, for your research. But I think research. it's like a missing link that people were not looking at before. So is it true antidepressant prescribing is up nearly 400% yes, since so 1988? And that keeps going up drastically. Every year and every year it goes up higher and higher and higher, just like the rate of obesity. So I thought, you know, there, there may be something here that these two things keep going up in parallel. And each year one goes up a lot, the other one goes up a lot. The next year one goes up a lot and the other one keeps increasing. So I thought, what could the connection be? How can we explain this? So one thing that's also important in terms of antidepressant is that you have what people are taking today, but you also have what we call antidepressant exposure. So about half of the people who are put on antidepressants, they stop them by themselves. Hmm. Without doctors telling them. Yeah, yeah. So the studies that have looked at that, they show a rate of 40 to 60% of people stopping by themselves. And the thing is this, if you have a fixed pool of people, and if they stopped, the rates of prescription would be going down because there are fewer people taking them, but the rates keep going up. So what I think is happening is that uh, different people are then taking the antidepressants. So some people stop, but then other people and more begin. So you have uh, the rate of overall exposure is enormous. 
And when you look at health surveys, many people don't even ask, have you been on antidepressants in the past? People typically ask what medications are you on today? So if you were on an antidepressant and stopped last year, it doesn't even show on most surveys. So um, I believe that the rate of the numbers of people exposed to antidepressants is really high. Higher than we think. Much higher than what we think. So and how... So what contribution could they be making to uh, obesity? Uh, so it's hard to test this in people initially because you don't want to give them to people and then just test the effect and make people obese, which is not very ethical. So we did that in animals. So we created um, a condition of chronic stress in which after you do that, the animals behave as if they are depressed, so they have low energy, they don't go for things that they would normally do. If you put them in a beaker of water that they would normally swim, they don't swim so much. So they, they behave depressed. And so we gave antidepressants, which reverses that, and that's very well known. So we just replicated that. But then what we did, which was new, is that we stopped the stress and the antidepressants, and then we gave them high-fat diet. Because it had been shown that animals, uh, they don't typically gain uh, weight on antidepressants, but the regular rat chow is not very palatable, so it's hard for them to get fat on that. So we gave a high-fat diet that induces obesity. And then what we show is that the animals that had the exposure to the antidepressants, um, even uh, 11 months later, they were still uh, substantially uh, growing faster and becoming bigger than the animals that had never had the antidepressant. So uh, this exposure to antidepressants in the context of a high-fat diet made them gain much more weight than they would otherwise gain. Even though they're not still taking yes. this medication, yeah. uh, it's still having an effect on their body? Yes. And then we, uh, the rat lives for about two years. So that would be 600 days. So we tested them for 300 days. So it's about half of the animal's life. And towards the end of the 300 days, they were still gaining more weight than the animals that never had it. That's interesting. Does that happen with other drugs that you're aware of? Not so much. There was a line of uh, research looking at that. Um, and people were showing that there are delayed effects of drugs. And now there's a whole field of study called, the, called epigenetics, showing that there are some events and drugs could be amongst them that changes your DNA a little bit, and it's called methylation, so it alters the, the DNA some, and then that effect persists long term. Interesting. Well, now your work suggests antidepressant use is a risk factor and not a cause, right? Yes, and then what we also showed, which was interesting, and this has, is just coming out, is that I had those results in animals, so can we look at this in people? So I worked with a colleague in Australia that had a database, a population that he had been following for five years. So he had data on antidepressant use. And this is a combination of people with past use and current use, but people who had been exposed to antidepressants. And it's very interesting because uh, if you look at a weight gain on people who were on a healthy diet or what's called the Mediterranean diet, that's more uh, fruits and vegetables and uh, overall healthier diet, they gain a little bit of weight over that period of time. And then the people who were on like a equivalent of like a fast food diet or Western diet, they gain about four times more weight in the same period. So the conclusion of the paper is that antidepressant use potentiates the weight gain that's caused by um, Western diet. So potentiates, does that mean it causes? 
or contributes it makes it to, worse. It makes, makes it, it worse. worse. So yes, if you are on Western diet, you gain weight, and the animals on uh, the high fat uh, food they gained weight. But then, if you have been exposed to antidepressants, you gain even more than you would otherwise get. Oh. Well, I've got a couple more questions, but first, this is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Julio Licinio, Dean of the College of Medicine at Upstate. Um, is there reason to suspect that obesity increases the risk of depression or that depression increases the risk of obesity? So I've looked a lot into that question. There are uh, very good um, community-based epidemiological studies from the best one that I could find was from Alameda County, California, that people were followed for very long periods of time, for several years. And what's very interesting is that some people begin obese, so they're not depressed, and as they are tested over time, after many years, they become depressed, and vice versa. So some people begin with depression and don't have increased weight, and as time passes, they gain more weight than you know people who don't have depression. So it's really um, like you know an arrow that goes both ways. So if you you can begin with obesity and you end up depressed, or you can begin with depression and you end up with obesity. So there's no answer to which starts, which came first. No. They're, they're connected? Yes. Okay. Well, let me ask you, how is the human genome being used to predict depression in populations of people? So there are a number of very large population studies now trying to look at the genetic base of a number of diseases, including uh, in psychiatry. And so many findings have been made in schizophrenia. And in depression, the results are just coming out very recently. So there are uh, a few recent studies that show findings in depression. So, as I said before, depression is a very multifactorial disease, just like obesity, both of them. So it's not like that one thing causes depression. So there is life experience, there is environment, there is culture, there is, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder that leads to depression as well, and also genetics. So the genes are one of many factors. So when you have something that's not so purely genetic, you need very large uh, numbers of people to show it. So the current studies have like 20,000 people, 50,000. It's been uh, calculated that to really show the genetics of depression, you would need 100,000 people. So um, the genetic facts are there, but they're relatively small, and then you need these large samples to show them. And, and one area that I think is very important in this uh, field is what we call pharmacogenetics. So it's looking not so much at the genetics of the disease, but the genetics of treatment response. So one of the things that's amazing about depression, I mean, it's, with, it's true with many diseases, or with essentially everything that we treat, that some people respond very well to the treatment and other people have no effect. So you give antidepressants to some people who are really substantially depressed, and they get completely better, they go back to work, they go back to functioning, and they go what we call a total remission. And other people who appear to be equally depressed to begin with, have very similar symptoms. You give the same medication or same types of medication, and they don't respond at all. Well, some it seems to work in, and some it seems not to work exactly. in. Exactly. So why is that? So I think that genetics can help us identify that. And that would uh, be really useful in terms of clinical treatment, because right now we don't know which medication is going to work on which person. So every treatment is essentially a trial and error effort. So we give this drug, I hope it's going to work. If it does, great. If it doesn't, then you have to keep taking it for a while to try it out, make sure if, if it works or not. But then if it eventually doesn't work, then you have to stop that drug, 
and then uh, you know go off medication for a little bit and then try something else and then if the second one doesn't work you then you try the third one and a lot of people uh, get lost to treatment in the process they just give up and they become uh, chronic depressed patients well because it's a long-term thing if you're you have to try it long enough to see whether yes. it works I mean at least a month. weeks at least a month okay. and some people they actually have side effects so some people if it just doesn't work it's bad enough but some people it doesn't work and they also feel even worse with the side effects that do the drug. So uh, there is a very interesting case that I'm uh, aware of, I you know, saw it in the popular media, of, uh, I'm originally from Brazil, so there was a very famous uh, theater director there who essentially revolutionized uh, Brazilian theater. And he just disappeared for about 10 years. And it was depression, so he had a really bad episode and then I was treated, had a lot of side effects, tried a couple of medications, didn't work. Then he just gave up and became almost like a recluse for 10 years. And then he got treated 10 years later, responded and went back to work. But if you think you lose 10 years of your productive life to something that could be treated, if you had given that medication that worked at the beginning, then a person would not have gone through this. So I think a major uh, target for current research is you know, pharmacogenetics, which is now called uh, personalized medicine or precision medicine, which is trying to identify which drug is going to work for which person before you give it. Let me ask you this. on If you looked at someone, an individual's human genome, is do, do we know yet how to tell whether they're depressed by looking at their genome? Do you know, we are actually doing that uh, type of um, research right now. So we developed some uh, mathematical methods to look at the person's entire genomic data and predict if you are going to be depressed or not. So some of our papers published this year, actually, can predict that in some populations, but not in others. Huh. But it's a field that's just beginning. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. My guest has been the Dean of the College of Medicine at Upstate, Dr. Julio Licinio. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.